If you would, open your pew Bibles to uh, page 865. We'll be reading Mark 2, 1 through 12. Uh, just previous to, to this section of Mark, we've seen Jesus healing People driving out demoniacs. Uh, he's been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Uh, and he's been calling some of his disciples. And he's been doing a lot of preaching. And, and we, uh, we see uh, in chapter 1 that that's what Jesus tells us is his main focus is to come and preach. You know, he does do many healings and exorcisms, but he is here to preach first and foremost. So, page 8, 65, chapter 2, verse 1 of Mark. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus with themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Lord, truly we never have seen anything like Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would imprint your word deep into our heart, that it would grow in us so that we would glorify you and be a blessing to others. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. So Jesus has been drawing crowds all over, and he uh, seeks to go back to well, kind of what it was his home base is Capernaum. That's that's where Peter lived, and and that seems to be where Jesus liked to to hang out sometimes. And so this is very well maybe Peter's house. We're not positive; it doesn't tell us for sure. Um, but he's he's seeking to get away from the massive throngs of people that he's been drawing in the wilderness. And so also we want to understand here that uh, as we dig into this, that this, this account of Jesus here is, is, is all about God's victory through Christ over, over sin, Satan, and sickness. And we need to keep that in the back of our minds as we get into what the Word of God is saying to us here. And he, he healed a leper at the end of chapter 1. 
And the interesting thing about that is he heals the leper who is unable to go into the holy place. He's, able, he's not able to do the things that regular Jews and, and people that day were able to do. Jesus heals him, makes him clean, and now the leper can go wherever he wants. And yet Jesus, Jesus is banished to the wilderness for a time. He took his uncleanness upon him. And where the leper was now able to go to and fro, was cleansed. Jesus was, was having to stay in the wilderness for a time. And then after a while, he comes into Capernaum. Uh, he goes to a house. And as much as he seems to want to get away from the crowds, the crowds don't want to get away from him. And he gets to the house and, and, and there are throngs of people. So much so that, that no one else can get in. It got overcrowded, and, and what we learn from, from Luke is, is that this, this audience may be a little different than his previous crowds. Uh, Luke's account tells us that uh, there, were, there were many scribes and Pharisees there, which might help explain why the focus, I mean, his focus is always on preaching, but he always has all sorts of people who need uh, demons cast out and need to be healed of various ailments. And, and here, until we get to the paralytic, it just says that he's preaching to the people. So this is very likely because a lot of them are, are the scribes and Pharisees. And they're not looking to come and get healed. They're, they want to find out what's going on. What is Jesus doing? Um, so Jesus preached to them. They and that was what he came to do. He preached the word to them. And then we read that they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Kind of get the picture of kind of a stretcher. These four friends are carrying their, their buddy. And we don't know how long he's been paralyzed for, how long he's been infirm like this. But they, they get to the house, and, and, and this is just one of the great stories in Scripture, certainly one of my favorites, and they can't get through. And so they do what any of us would do. They go to the roof and start digging. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that just sounds crazy. But uh, uh, houses in that day, they would have had stairs, up the side of the house onto the roof and 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 the roofs in those days were often places where where you might entertain friends and family and such so it's not as as crazy as it would be for us to jump on the roof and start chopping our way through it but it's still got to be quite the surprise you're in this overcrowded room i'm sure far beyond fire code regulations and all of a sudden, you've got stuff. You've got mud and dust and, and thatch and, and just grass and everything falling on your head. But this would be convenient for the men in the paralytic because obviously you're going to get out of the way and you're going to create room. And so they lower the paralytic down right at Jesus' feet. And what does, what does Jesus do? doesn't heal him, does he? But he saw their faith. 
And he said to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you. Now, most, most people I've read believe that this paralytic came to get healed. You know, there, there's, there's one person I read that, that said that he thought that maybe, the, maybe this is the purpose that the paralytic came for, was, was for the forgiveness of sin. Regardless, what we do know is he got the ultimate gift, the forgiveness of sins. And uh, Jesus, we're told, sees his, his faith. Just as we'll see later on, he sees the dissension and the, and the anger in the Pharisees. Here, he sees the faith of the men. And, and I don't think it's just because they... busted their way through a roof to be right in front of them. But he saw that these were men who knew who Jesus was. That the Spirit was working in them to help them understand who Christ was. And so Jesus looks at them and says, Your sins are forgiven you. I see your faith. And this is the first time in, in the Gospel of Mark, I'm just the first time for a lot of things in the Gospel of Mark in this passage. But this is the first time that, that faith that word is used. And faith, as we know, that's the instrument God has given us that we use to apprehend and, and grab hold of Christ. And we know it's the most important thing about faith is who is the faith in? And these men had their faith in Christ and the catechism in question 21, he gives us a wonderful understanding of faith. True faith is not only a sure knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also a hearty trust which the Holy Spirit works in me by the gospel. That not only to others, but to me also forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation are freely given by God. Merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. So this faith is a, a sure knowledge. But not only that, it's a hearty trust which God works in us through the Holy Spirit unto Christ. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. But no good deed goes unpunished, it seems. The scribes didn't like what they were hearing. The scribes were kind of a subset of the Pharisees. They were really... Uh, Students of the law, they were so basically they were they were lawyers, attorneys, and they understood the law backwards and forward, somewhat. As as you as you learn, they weren't as quite as as intelligent and, and wise as they would like to think they were. 
as you read through the Gospels. And, and we notice that in, in chapter 1, Satan was directly attacking Jesus in the wilderness and then sending his, sending his emissaries, um, the, the demoniacs, uh, to, to go to Jesus and try and get their claws in him and say, we know, oh, you're the son of God. And, and they were trying to flatter him and, and, and get control over him through the uh, use of flattery. And, you know, that just, but, you know, you can't flatter Christ. I mean, he is God. There's nothing you can say that wonderful about him that isn't true. So Jesus was able to just flip, flip them away like a bunch of flies. But now Satan is crafty and he's wise and he sees the scribes and the Pharisees are maybe starting to get jealous of Jesus. And so he primarily goes a different direction starting here and using the religious leaders of the day. Now, remember, if you, if you look at the, the Gospel of John when the Pharisees confronted Christ and they said, we have our father Abraham. What did Jesus respond to them? Your, your father's not Abraham. Who did he say their father was? Satan. So this leadership is being used to try and bring Christ down. Satan is using less obvious means of confrontation now. He's going to use the religious leaders. And the Pharisees, they they reason within themselves. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this reasoning... that they're using is they, they have correct premises they just don't have a correct conclusion because basically what they're saying is only God can forgive sins Jesus is therefore claiming to be God by forgiving sins And then their conclusion is way off base where they say, ah, Jesus is is blaspheming. Right? So we'll, we'll see Jesus turn this on its head momentarily here. But what they are admitting is that only God can forgive sins. And, and of that they are, I mean, in the ultimate, uh, sense, that is, that is true. God can forgive anyone's sins. We can personally forgive others in, in that kind of a sense, in a relational sense, but the true forgiveness of sins and wiping away the slate is something that only God has the prerogative to do. And they knew this, and that was right. But we see here that Jesus is, is going to prove his divinity and in many different ways. And, and, and we see even uh, just as he knew the, the faith of the men in the paralytic. That he knew their thoughts. And this should have been a clue to them you would think. But 
you know, why do you reason, he says to them. And that should have caused them to think, how does he know we're reasoning like this? I mean, here's your sign. They should have known that. They should have seen that. And, and he turns their reasoning back on them. He proves that he has the authority to forgive sins. And how does he do that? He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go your way. He proves he has the power to forgive sins. He has the authority. By causing this paralyzed man to just stand up. And like nothing had happened, just walk out of the house. This healing of the paralytic is a is a testimony against them. They are basically asking for him to prove he is God, and he does this. Christ is God. The paralytic is healed. The people are amazed. He says, take up your, what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or, or take up your bed and walk? Well, I mean, they're both easy to to say. Don't know that one's easier than the other to say. But to actually say and mean it. Which, which holds the more weight. And they're both awesome. And we know that none of us in our own strength can, can heal as, as Jesus did here. But we do know that, that God has used men in the past to heal, even to raise people from the dead. But the forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of a, of a wicked heart, oh, that's... That's much harder. That is only left for God to do. Only God can forgive sins. And even more, if you turn to Daniel Daniel 7, this is beautiful. Jesus uh, speaks to them and says, so that You know that the Son of Man has authority. To forgive sins. Now, the Son of Man, we can read in in Daniel 7, verses 13 to 14, and and just listen to the language here in Daniel. If you read this short passage here, you'll notice that this sounds like something Jesus might have said to his disciples at the end of the book of Matthew. So he is calling himself the Son of Man. 
And this is what he means. I was, and this is verse 13 of Daniel 7. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This is the first mention as well and Mark of Jesus being the Son of Man. And this Son of Man is a declaration by Jesus that, yeah, he's God. So he's not only proving that he is God by forgiving sins, healing people, but he is appealing to the Old Testament, to Daniel. And showing them from Scripture that, yeah, I am the one who can heal and forgive sins. I mean, who else but God is, has, is, <clears throat> has an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Jesus is laying down the gauntlet here. And... You see some folks saying that Jesus in the, in the Gospels, especially in Mark, and, and Mark is, is a book I've, I've spent a lot of time in, that Jesus doesn't declare himself to be God. And it, it's just flabbergasting because it's just, it's, the book starts off with, this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then it continues uh, with, with him speaking Words and doing things which are only the prerogative of God to do and to say. And he proves them. So any, anybody that, that questions the Gospel of Mark and its, it's, its understanding of Jesus as God, they just need to read the first two and a half chapters or one and a half chapters and, and, and they'll know that yeah, Jesus makes it clear. He has come to forgive sin. He is the Son of Man. And He is going to have an everlasting kingdom and dominion forever and ever over all nations and peoples. But how do we allow this to, to impact our, our lives daily now that we know that Christ, we all knew that before, but now that we're reminded that who Christ is and what He has done and what from this section of scripture can we apply to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit? Number one, we need to know that, that, that our faith pleases Christ. We need to practice it, grow it, praise Christ for it. Back in, back in the day that old people like me might remember, you know, people talked about practicing their faith. And we don't hear that as much anymore. But just like anything, any job you're in where you practice and practice and practice until you become well-versed in it, we have to practice our faith. We have to work our faith to work out our salvation, which which Paul is just talking about us uh, growing in our holiness and and our love towards God. And, And it's wonderful to know that 
that Christ is, is, is happy with our most meager attempts at faith. You know, he knows that we're weak uh, and we need him. And he is pleased to see us even, even in the simplest things and just as, just as we are when, when our small children or grandchildren come to us. Maybe they've burnt some toast. They've cooked a runny egg and some greasy, floppy bacon. And we look at it and we think that's nasty. But we know they did that out of a, a heart for us and their love for us. And we look at that and we eat it cheerfully. We might even get sick the next day. But we eat it because we love our children. And how much more? Does God our Father love us and even our meager attempts at practicing our faith? But we still do it and we grow in it. And we need to seek continually Christ's forgiveness every day and dwell upon his atoning holy work. Christ has the power to forgive sins and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for his children. And that is something we cannot grow weary of doing every day. We need to confess our sins. I need to confess them far more often than that and just dwell on what Christ has done and, 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 and know that he has the power to forgive sins. And we also know that as we go through our day, as we are living in this world that largely hates Christ, that we are still to, to bring our friends to see Christ, just as the, the paralytic and his, he had friends that did that. And of course, we don't have Christ physically standing in a house or in a, uh, to, to bring people to, but we can display Christ before them. We can proclaim him and his gospel. And their need for, for Christ, their need to repent of their sins and, and trust in Christ alone and pray that the Holy Spirit would, would change their hearts. And we can't make them believe. Most people won't. We know that. Most people will not believe. But we still need to let them know who Christ is and what he has done. And and the blessings that he gives us. So we, we had so much in this passage, and, and there's so much to go back and, and study. I, I pray that, that we all go back and, and, and study about faith and the Son of Man and, and forgiveness and all these wonderful things that, are, that all occur for the first time in the Gospel of Mark right here in this passage. It is so full. Uh, and I just pray that we would just remember all that Christ has done for us. Pray this, that this is something that impacts our hearts and, and, and just grows deep roots into us. And let's pray. We thank you, Father, for this good word which shows us that, that Christ is, is, is the Son of Man, the one who forgives sin. Help us to rest in him. Find our comfort in him. 
He is our comfort in life and in death. And we just pray that you bless our our day and the rest of our week. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen.